Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous broadcast, I was in Romans chapter 3, and I'd just like to take a few minutes to describe the overall picture that Paul is presenting here. The overall picture is important to understand because you can easily get lost in the details if you don't keep the big picture in its proper perspective. Now, the first thing that I want you to understand is that when our God created humanity, when he created Adam and Eve and he put them into the garden, he did give them one law, but that law was do not eat from the wrong tree. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Apart from that, he gave no laws. He gave no commandments. I want you to see that there were no laws that were used in order to govern the behavior of Adam and Eve, that this was not part of his original design. And yet his design was very functional, even in the midst of there being no law present, even in the midst of that situation, even though there were no laws that governed the lives of Adam and Eve, and there was no intent of giving any system of law that they would use in order to govern themselves. They still functioned. This should tell you something. It should tell you that we were not created to function on the basis of the knowledge of good and evil. It should reveal this very clearly. Now, when the devil got involved in the lives of Adam and Eve, when he got involved, he encouraged them to reject what God told them. He told Adam and Eve that God lied to them and that they did need to know the law. And the reason why they needed to know the law was because they could become greater than what God created them to be. They could be like God, that they needed the law in their lives. And so it was the devil who encouraged Adam and Eve to include the law in their lives, to include the knowledge of good and evil. But that is not how God created us to function. Ever since then, the devil has been actively involved in the lives of people. He has been actively involved in humanity, continually encouraging people to live according to the knowledge of good and evil, to live on the basis of what is right, what is wrong, to do that which is good, to do that which is right, and not do that which is evil. The devil has been actively involved in people's lives, encouraging them to live on the basis of what is good, of what is right. Now, of course, there are some people who totally reject what is good, reject what is right, and he is there available for them. He is available to all people. He is truly a universal God for those who want to do good and also for those who want to do evil. My point in saying this is that our God never created us to function on this basis. But because of the decision of Adam and Eve and because of the active involvement of the devil in our lives, we are continually at war when it comes to this subject of do we live by law or do we live by believing and trusting in our God. Those are two completely different ways of life and they cannot be harmonized. 
unless you want to harmonize the devil with God and suggest that they can both lead us in our lives and that we can depend and trust on both of them. But that is definitely not the case. That is a total denial of the reality of the living God of the universe. It is a total denial of his existence, of his presence, of his justice, of his righteousness. It is a complete denial of everything. Now, I talked about this subject in detail in a series that I produced titled Spiritual Warfare, because I believe that this is truly the nature of the war that we are in. The nature of the war has to do with the struggle between law and grace. It has to do with the struggle between the devil wanting us to live our lives on the basis of the knowledge of good and evil, and the living God wanting us to live our lives on the basis of the tree of life, on the basis of his spirit, the spirit of life, guiding and leading us into all truth, and to live on the basis of the reality of his existence, of his presence, of who he is as a person, the individual who meets the deepest needs of our hearts. That's the difference between the two. And so that's the big picture. And I want you to understand that this subject of the law and its purpose in our lives is a subject that is not just for the Jew. It is also for the Gentiles. It is not a subject just for the believers. It is also a subject for the unbelievers. I want you to realize this. Because regardless of whether an individual acknowledges the existence of God or not, They are still caught up in this war. They are still caught up in these issues. And these issues are going to be a source of struggle in their lives. Now, when it comes to the believers, it is still a source of struggle in the lives of believers. It is a major struggle in the lives of believers and in the lives of people who you would think are believers but may not necessarily be so. And what I mean by that is that there are many religious people who are in the world, and many of them may very well know the Lord. Many of them may very well be saved, but they are held in such tremendous bondage to their religion that they are totally paralyzed. They are enslaved in their religion to such an extent that they cannot truly have a relationship with their God. All right, now first I want to describe the appeal of the law. I want you to understand that there are reasons why this is a struggle. There is an appeal. There is an attractiveness. The number one struggle, of course, I explained in a previous program, and that is that people want to be blessed and that the law gives them the impression or gives them the delusion that they are going to be blessed by God because of their obedience or they are going to be accepted by God because of their obedience. And this, of course, is totally delusional because there's no way that you can do enough, which means all of it. There's no way you can be fully obedient to the extent where he will owe you, to the extent where he will bless you, to the extent that he will reward you, to the extent that he will intervene in your life in any way whatsoever because of your repentance and obedience. It is totally delusional because according to the law, you must do it all. Completely, without exception, you must be fully obedient to all that God has declared, which will never happen. But it is appealing to people because people are believing that if you can at least do some, then he will bless you in some ways. It is a total lie, but because people believe that, that does 
cause problems in people's lives because they do end up going down this path of religion, this system of bondage, of repentance and obedience that they will never achieve. And because of that, they will never achieve anything from the Lord either. And they will live a life in darkness, in emptiness, because there is nothing there. Pride is a serious issue as well. There are many people who believe that they are pretty good. They believe that they are okay. They believe that they are obedient enough, especially if they compare themselves with you, right? Or with me. There are people who have a tremendous amount of pride in their hearts. And so they are not willing to let go of the law because if they did let go of the law, they would lose their source of pride. That's what people fear. They are afraid that they will lose the reasons why they can be proud individuals. They are afraid of that and legitimately so because they are living in their own delusion. They are living in a false reality, one that is not real at all. It is a life of their own imagination. That is their pride. Their pride is based on their own delusions and their own imagination. But there is a tremendous appeal that the law has to individuals because it will support this delusion that gives people a sense of pride in and of themselves for their perceived success. It is not real success. It is only perceived. They believe that they are successful, but they are not. And many people need that because they want to be able to condemn other people. They want to condemn other people because it makes them feel good. It makes them feel important. And so these are serious problems that people are wrestling with that makes the law very appealing. And you need to be aware of this. This is the very foundation of religion. And when I talk about the law being used for other purposes and not for these purposes, people feel very threatened by that because they do not want to abandon the opportunity to be blessed. They don't want to abandon their own personal pride. But there is more to it than just that, and that is that they will have to abandon, they will have to lose, they will have to give up their opportunity to control other people. Maybe you've noticed this, that when you go and you participate or visit a religious congregation, you may find that many of the people there are quite judgmental, and they're very controlling. They seem to be interested in wanting to control other people around them. And one of the ways that this is manifested is in the context of the law, when they identify other people who are behaving in a way that they don't like. And so they will call upon the name of the Lord and use his law in order to condemn people. And the reason why they do that is because they want people to behave appropriately. And they believe that they can control and manipulate other individuals by either threatening them with divine punishment or by promising them divine blessings. They do that. They offer the carrot or the stick as a means of trying to control and manipulate other people to get other people's flesh under control. And people do not want to let go of the law because they do not want to let go of this ability to manipulate and control other people. There are many people, there has been many people who have come to me and have said things like, Aaron, you know, I find you to be quite negative 
when it comes to your attitude towards the law. And I can understand that you've had some problems with the law, that you have tried and you have failed. I understand that, and I understand that you have felt a little bit oppressed by the law because of your devotion to it. But the reason why they say things like that is because they still want it to be a part of our lives. They still want it to have a part in the Christian life, in our new life in Christ Jesus. And they are very disturbed by my aggressive stance against the law. But when I say I'm taking a stance against the law, what I mean by that is I'm against using the law for a purpose that it was never given for. That's where the conflict comes from. Listen, folks, I believe in the law. I believe in it. I believe it is good. It is righteous. I believe that it is a wonderful thing that we should have it that we should use it, but to use it for a purpose that it was given for. But I keep encountering people, and I believe that I will never run out of people who want to use the law for a purpose that it was never intended for. I have conversations like this with people all the time where they say, Aaron, you're negative about the law. You're too much against the law. Surely it must have value to us as Christians. Surely it must have some use. And I always have to reply with the same answer, and that is, you obviously have not been paying attention to what I have to say about the law. Obviously, it is clear that you are not listening to me, that you are not taking me seriously. The reason why I say that is because if you were listening to me, if you were taking me seriously, you would know full well that I believe in the law and that I believe it should be used for the purpose that it was given for. You should know that. But the fact that you would say something like that to me tells me that you know nothing. You know nothing about what I believe or how I live and that you know nothing about the God who I believe in. Because if you did, you would not even consider saying something as ridiculous as that. And I say it's ridiculous because it is. That's the proper word to use in this context. To use the law for a purpose that God did not intend is, to me, ridiculous. Don't do that. Use it for the purposes that he gave it for, but do not use it for purposes that he did not give it for. And to use it as a perceived opportunity to be blessed by God, to use it to stir up your own personal pride, to use it in order to try to control and manipulate other people, is wrong. It is evil. Call it what it is. Now, unfortunately, we find that there are many people in the world who esteem to be believers in Christ Jesus. There are many people all over the place who are devoted to trying to live a life of repentance and obedience according to the law. And I refer to these individuals as being religious because the word means a system of bondage. And bondage is defined by the law. The law defines the bondage. The law defines how you are to live, how you are not to live. This creates the bondage. This creates the slavery, which does absolutely nothing to change an individual's heart. It just addresses the issues of the flesh. Folks, I want to deal with the issues of the heart and the spirit, but religious people want to deal with the issues of the flesh. Now, when I confront individuals with this, I can see it in their eyes. Whenever I talk with them face to face, I see it in their eyes that what they are really worried about, what they're really concerned about is being able to manipulate and control other people, that that's what's really going on in their hearts. And normally this has to do with family members. That's normally what the problem is, is that they have children who they are wanting to control still. 
They have in-laws, they have outlaws, they have other people in their lives who are close to them, and they don't like their behavior. And so they are unwilling to believe what I'm telling them, because if they were to agree with me, then they are concerned that this will give these people an excuse to continue to live in the way that they are living, which of course may be inappropriate. Now I'm going to explain something, and that is that regardless of whether they have an excuse or not, obviously they are still living that way. And I'm sure that these individuals have already attempted to oppress them by condemning them with the commandments of God. And it's not working, is it? No, it doesn't work. It won't work because it was not designed, it was not intended to work. Not in that way. Our God did not give us the law in order to get our flesh under control. He gave it to us in order to show us our depravity. That's what he gave it for. Use it for that purpose. In Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 19, it says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Who's under the law? Those who do not believe in Christ Jesus. So that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. That's the world, that's the unbelievers, so that there can be a definitive account to show that they are under the judgment of God. He didn't say we have the law so that the world can be controlled, so that the people in the world can be manipulated and straightened out. No, it was given so that judgment can be passed in a clear manner, so that there will be no excuse that can be presented by anyone. In verse 20, it says, Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Folks, if by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified, why is it that people are still trying to be justified by their works? They're trying to be validated by their works. They're trying to be approved of by their works. They're trying to show that they are good Christians because of their works. It's the same thing. But the fact is, is that no one will ever be justified in the sight of God because through the law is the knowledge of sin, not justification. And so while you may feel that you are impressing some people, I can guarantee you that you are not impressing God. And certainly there are some people that may very well be impressed, but I will not because I know God will not be. There is no way that any works will ever do anything for anyone under any circumstances. That is the way things are. In verse 21, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. Do you want to know the righteousness of God? If you believe that you can find it in the law, then you don't know it. You don't know it. The law testifies of it, witnesses of it, but if you want to see it and you want to know it, then you have to go beyond the law. The law tells you that it exists. It tells you that it is real, but it will not show you what it is until you enter in to the new covenant. Now, again, we must use the law. I use the law all the time, especially for people who really need it, religious people who believe that they have succeeded in some respect. They need the law. And I've told people, you want the law? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. And they look at me like I'm nuts or like I don't really take it seriously or something. But it is they who don't take it seriously. They don't take it seriously. And it's revealed when I say, listen, if you want the law, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. And they look at me like I'm crazy. They look at me like I'm not really taking the situation seriously. And you know why? Because they don't really want it. 
They don't. They want part of it. They want the parts that they like, but they don't want the fullness of it because they know where that will lead. They know that it leads to destruction and despair because that's what it was for. Now, when a person comes to the point where they realize that they have no hope, there are two possibilities. The first possibility is that they will abandon their religion entirely. And most people will do that. Most people will just simply abandon religion and just let it all go because they have been so buried by the religion and they have been so buried by the condemnation and the judgment that they have been receiving that they realize that there is nothing there because there is nothing there. And so they abandon the faith entirely. And perhaps you have noticed that the majority of people who you run across, especially in this day and age, you've probably noticed that most of them have had some exposure to church, have had some exposure to Christianity already, and they have abandoned that and entered into the world to pursue sin. And through that, they live a life of restlessness. They are restless. They have no rest. They cannot rest because there is no rest in sin. But in the midst of that, there are some people, some people, not many, but there are some people who will actually rest in the truth of the forgiveness that we have truly received. And they will trust in what he has accomplished for them. And he will begin to reveal himself to them because they will believe those fundamental truths. Most people will not. That is true. But some will. And that is why I am so strong about the truth of the law having no place in our lives outside of bringing us to the point of despair, bringing us to the point where we realize that we have to trust him. We have to rest in him. Most people will not follow through with that. Only some people will follow through with that. Most people will give up or perhaps use the forgiveness of sins as an excuse to go out and indulge their flesh. I understand that, but I would rather that some people embrace the truth and most people misuse and abuse the truth. I would rather that than no one embrace the truth. And that's the conflict. That's the problem, is that there are many people who do not want to teach the complete forgiveness of sins. They don't want to do that because they are afraid that people will use that truth inappropriately. They are afraid of that, and legitimately so. And so they would rather that no one know the truth than some people know the truth. And I am different when it comes to that. I would rather that some people know the truth than no one know the truth. Why would a Christian leader be okay with some people not knowing the truth? They can be okay with that because they can maintain their church that way. They can maintain their membership that way. They can keep people in their congregations. They can manipulate those individuals. They can control those individuals with their religious bondage, with their religious servitude. They can manipulate and control people, and they can benefit from those individuals through the tithes and the offerings that people give to these leaders to put them into bondage. That's why people do that. That's why these organizations exist. They exist because people pay others to oppress them. People pay others to put them into a form of religious bondage. And there are many pastors, there are many Christian leaders who are willing to do that because they would rather you be enslaved than to be set free so that you can live a life with Christ Jesus. That's what people would prefer. 
Now, I personally look at this as a crime. I do. I believe that it is a crime to steal God from his people. And the theft occurs because people are not telling the truth. That's how the theft occurs. They lie to people. They say, oh, yes, the law still has a place in your life. And so because it still has a place in your life, your God doesn't love you or accept you as perfectly as you think he does or as perfectly as you would like him to. He's waiting for you to clean up your life a little bit more and then he'll love you more. Then he'll accept you more. Then he'll be involved in your life more. He's waiting for that and then he will. I'll give you some hope. I'll give you a promise that one day you'll be loved by your God. One day you'll be accepted by your God as long as you continue to do and live as I am telling you to live and do. And if you will do that, then eventually this will supposedly happen. That's a lie. It's theft. You are stealing the love of God, the forgiveness of God from individuals. And when people are unwilling to call it like it is, to say it like it is, then they are accomplices to the crime. They are accomplices to the theft. And I want you to know that that's how I see individuals who don't tell the truth about forgiveness, who don't tell the truth about being set free from the law. I consider them to be accomplices to the crime. They are criminals along with the other criminals who are asserting themselves as leaders, who are asserting themselves as men of God or as women of God. They are liars and they are thieves because they don't tell the truth about forgiveness and they don't tell the truth about the purpose and use of the law. That's how serious this is. I'm telling you this not to feel condemned. I'm telling you this to be set free. Believe. Believe that there is a righteousness of God. Because there is. That is separate. That is independent. That has nothing to do with the law. Romans chapter 3 verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. This righteousness that he has revealed will never be known will never be exposed until you use the law properly. You use it appropriately. Only then will you see your God. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net